10 past nine, you're with SFM 104 to 107. Sadly, we are closing off in probably the greatest part of that song. Who is it? It's none other than David Guetta. And amongst those featured on it are Ladysmith Black Mambazo. Lift me up. It's the choice of our guest presenter today. We're chatting to PJ Sabacher. He's the managing director of the Forgotten Angle Theatre Collaborative. And uh, they are focused or based at a place called Imakazeni in Pumalanga, and the art center that he works with or that he created is called the Ebudueni Arts Center. Why are we talking to him? Well, because uh, it's interesting to see what creatives are doing around so many different spaces, but also because we start to look at culture and creativity as not simply in his case, PJ's case, around dance alone. So we'll find out more about that. On the line, PJ Sabacher, Managing Director the Forgotten Angle Theatre Collaborative. PJ, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Michelle. Great to be with you. So, PJ, let's um, go to the song. Your track, uh, first track of the day, why? <laughs> My first track, of, first track of the day. Um, you know, I, I don't know, it's a, it's a song I discovered kind of in, in, in early in lockdown, um, kind of trying to do some workouts and get my body moving. Um, <laughs> and I was just inspired by, I mean, I, I, I love, I, there, there are things, the different things that inspire me and excite me. Um, on the one end of the spectrum, and I'm kind of a, a kind of extremist uh, in, that, in that way. I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not inspired or excited by middle of the road stuff i'm expired by excess is <laughs> <laughs> the kind of euphoria uh and the kind of aspirational tone of that piece of music um that just made me want to jump up and down and dance and sing and talk about love and talk about how people need to support each other and connect and find the heroes in each other um and and so and so that's what it's about for me it's that you know it's not and and it's not it's not for everybody either most people are going to be like oh she's like a clubby uh <laughs> song what 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 is this where's where's the kind of soulful stuff um but hey you know i mean i think we have to for me it's important to to be able to jump around and then cry uh, if necessary so let's talk um, about the jump around first. I mean, you are first yes. and foremost, you come from a dance background. Yes. You hail from Johannesburg and then shifted to uh, Pumalanga. And what happened quite dramatically was your practice shifted uh, extraordinarily massively, if one wants to put it like that. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, so in, in, in Johannesburg, we were kind of a traditional contemporary dance uh, company, maybe not traditional in, in all respects of the word. We've always been kind of issue-based, um, always been concerned with kind of critical, personal, social issues. Um, but the shift to to Emakazeni, to Mpumalanga, um, has really shifted, like you say, shifted the practice. And it, it, it comes out of different parts. It comes... Uh, so, so the shift was born out of, firstly, for me, the, the kind of the really strong... What I found a really unhealthy, ego-centered competition that was playing out in the in the Gauteng Joburg art space, yeah. art and culture space, that I didn't think was that healthy for the art sector and for people in general. Mm. Um, um, the, the 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 kind of ethical debate I was having with myself is: she should plow all this money into productions 
in theatres, which very few people have access to. Um, So is it an ethical use of money and resources? Um, And then then finally, it was the the big shift in the kind of funding landscape that was unfolding. And my desire to kind of come home. So this, this, this place is where my mother grew up. I spent my, a lot of my childhood holidays and weekends, so there's a real sense of home and place uh, here, so a really intimate uh, connection um, with the place. Um, and so wanting to come return to that intimacy, that place, and share it with other people and explore yeah. the things that um, nature, rural life, rural realities, because they are vastly different to urban realities, um, what they could teach us Um, what we could learn from this context, and most importantly, how we could start to balance the rural-urban divide. Because everybody everybody has this notion or this idea that that the urban centers and the urban economy needs to be the focus. Um, But there is a lot to be learned for all of us. Um, about in, on the margins, on the edges. And we need to give voice to the margins and to the edges. So let's try and learn something. What have you learned by being in Imakazeni? So what, so what we have learned uh, here, the, the, uh, I'm going to borrow from one of our residency uh, projects that we used to run, which is about kind of dropping the mask. Um, and so it's about authenticity. Um, and so it's about, for all of us, the need or the necessity, I believe, to work from authentic spaces, um, to not uh, hand it to to the to the mask or or to to the constructs that are being kind of prepared for us uh, by our sectors or by our audiences, but that we need to sculpt um, our market or sculpt, uh, educate, re-educate, transform the spaces and the the people we work with. So it's really about authentic uh, work. Um, what I what I've been interested in, and it's, I was just my little little uh, byline when I when people walk into our space um, for the first time, I kind of go, you know, for, as far as I'm concerned, stars belong in the sky, <laughs> in the night sky, and artists belong on the ground. So if you want to be a star, you're yeah. in the wrong place, um, and that's really important for me. Is that is that I believe that it's, and this is my philosophy and, 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 and the things I believe in, and I don't expect everybody to believe that, um, to believe in the same things. There's place for every single voice. Yeah. Um, um, is that we really need to be connected to our environment, to our context, to our immediate communities, um, to our immediate realities. Um, and we need, as artists, I believe, uh, to speak to those realities or those truths and contribute in a meaningful way uh, to, to our immediate context. So if you talk and about only... your, your immediate environment and connecting yes. to that environment, what what have you had to do differently? What are you doing differently? Because it is about a different community, a different uh uh, different people, different needs, etc. I mean, I'm thinking about the work that you did in Joburg. It was very focused around um, HIV and AIDS. 
Then you come to Mpumalanga, to uh, Emakazeni, you form this Ibudueni Art Centre, but now you're starting to work with communities that perhaps need something very different. What are those needs and how exactly. did you how did you learn and engage on your own side? So, I mean, I, I'm going to give you, share some statistics with you which kind of paint the picture, and I, and I don't think it's it's unique to this rural context. I think it's <laughs> it's common across rural contexts uh, nationally. So there's, there's, a, there's a massive, um, what's the, yeah, there's a kind of deep systemic and structural inequalities that, that, that citizens are up against. Um, and that has to do with access to education, access to basic services. Um, it has to do with a uh, kind of basic edu- education system that is totally collapsed. Yeah. So locally, for example, if you if you like study our IDPs, our integrated development plans uh, that the municipality uh, puts together based on on local research, you only have about twenty percent of the entire population who has completed their schooling. Um, so there's very high uh, school dropout. Mm. There's very low access to t- any kind of level of tertiary education. Um, and, and so that also means that there's very, very uh, high unemployment. Um, and the employment is kind of is hinged around tourism, agriculture, mining. Um, and those, those, are, those are all under strain, um, mm. you know, and particularly now in a kind of, in a kind of COVID reality. Uh, those, those sectors are, are, are really uh, struggling. Um, and so pre-COVID, um, our youth unemployment was estimated as high as 89%. Um, so it's staggering. Um, and so the idea of just creating art um, becomes a little problematic <laughs> because what is it that the art is going to serve? The art, so our work needs to serve education. It needs to serve job creation. It needs to serve the kind of the, the growing of entrepreneurs uh, and growing young people to, 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 to develop a sense of agency, um, to develop the skill sets um, in order to construct their own futures. Um, mm. and, and, so, and so it's this kind of intersection uh, that's really important, that the, that the work begins to serve uh, at a creative level. So it's not about an abandoning, abandoning of the art, but it's about how, how can we be making art to serve the real needs, the on-the-ground needs of, 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 our, of our largest constituents. And how have you done that? So we've done it through a range of projects. Um, and again, these are pre-pandemic uh, projects. As you know, everything has shifted in mm. the last uh, 18 months. So we, 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 re- we run an extensive um, program with, with local, we call it our Local Education in Arts program, LEAP. Um, it's the kind of name that points to, to how we see it serving. We really want to see it serving people uh, in, in their ability to leap out of the, um, the cycles of poverty um, that, that they are attracting, especially young people. So we we work on it. Our program is using arts-based methodologies, participant-centered methodologies, in order to try and unlock a 21st century skill sets, communication, collaboration, creativity, and critical thinking. So we, put, we place those, those skill sets at the heart uh, of the creative practice, and, and we, we try and train our teachers 
um, and facilitators in, in sharing and trying to nurture and grow their skills in addition to dance skills and performance skills because young people still want to perform and they still want to have a good time. <laughs> so the, the 21st century skills are, are a kind of a, an essential byproduct yeah. of the arts training. But to, to pay some attention to it so that when, so that when a, a young person is undergoing the training or has completed the training, they, are, they have developed the ability to negotiate. They have abel- developed the ability to collaborate with other people. They have developed the, the ability to view the, the world in many different ways, to view yeah. different perspectives, to solve problems. Um, so if they're not going to be a dancer and a performer, they can carry those, those skill sets through. Yeah, uh, into their lives, and we, you know, we saw it uh, playing out. So we, we work at a very big children's home, and the caregivers. So that was the one place we could give direct feedback uh, from from caregivers. Uh, you know, in other contexts, it's difficult to communicate with parents or, or or schools to get to get direct feedback on the impact. But what the caregivers were telling us is that the children that were participating uh, in our program had created their own support groups hmm. um, to do study groups, to work on their homework together, their school marks were improving, their interpersonal relationships were improving. Um, and so, so that they, were, they were seeing these really dramatic uh, effects and impacts unfolding um, in, in, in the, amongst the children. And so, so that's kind of at one level uh, at which the work has been operating. And then another project has been our youth leadership program which we work with amazing people like uh, Dr. Makalima, David April, and Athena Mazarakis. They're the, mm. the kind of lead facilitators. And this is really about developing the entrepreneurial spirit um, for young artists and art leaders. So young people who are leading arts organizations or community-based projects with a focus on rural communities across the country. Um, and we've seen great results there. Um, people... You know, being able to, to understand compliance, to understand fundraising, fundraising, writing a business plan, monitoring and evaluation, so that they are able to stabilize their programs um, mm. and have a deeper impact um, in their respective communities. We're talking to PJ Sabaches, the Managing Director of the Forgotten Angle Theatre Collaborative. They uh, have a centre called the Ebudweni Art Centre in Makazeni in rural Mpumalanga. And I suppose what we're looking at, PJ, is a focus on social and cultural justice using uh, s- social and cultural means to achieve a level of justice for your community that you work in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's absolutely a social justice uh, question um, and whether it's about access to to education or supporting education systems, access to economy, um, access to space, climate issues, environmental issues. um, These are all... uh, Critical parts of kind of addressing the, the the kind of holistic well-being of communities and of individuals. So we're going to go to your second song, PJ. And uh, when we yes. come back, what I'd like to talk about is the impact of COVID and what uh, you had to work. I mean, suddenly you were becoming um, feeders. You had to literally rethink. Uh, dance wasn't going to help put food in people's mouth during a time of COVID, and you had to yeah. rethink that. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about. Uh, how one survives in a time like that. 
as a creative or cultural organization. Your second choice of song, Glenn Gould, Aria from Bach Goldberg's The Goldberg Variations. Tell us about that. So, so I, I suggested any track from 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 the album. Um, Glenn Gold is a is a um, an incredible uh, well was an incredible pianist. Um, and so what was so inspiring about I mean, firstly Bach. Um, it's it's so it's on the other at the other spectrum of of of, of the of the journey. Um, it is in, intensely kind of mathematical, but also meditative and calming and soothing. Um, it also, you know, I find it fantastic to just help organize the brain. Um, mm. But Glenn Gold performs it with an intense, uh, what's the word, um, amazing technical proficiency and technical skill. He's regarded as the as, as, as the, the century's best pianist. But and sometimes, if you listen very carefully, you can hear him humming and and <laughs> crooning in the background. So you you get also this amazing sense of vulnerability. Uh, and and humanness uh, that place that, that emerges as well, and that's and that's why I'm inspired by it. Let's hope we hear the humming. <laughs> What a beautiful choice of song. That's a Glenn Gold aria from Bach, the Goldberg Variations. As you say, uh, PJ, there's um, one hears the the humming in the background. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of it does something. It does something to my soul. It like moves me just to hear because I'm, he plays with such care and mm. intimacy. And then you hear this little. You know, it's just, uh, I mean, I, I get overwhelmed every time I hear hear him play, uh, and it's specifically Glenn, Glenn Gold playing Bach and, and things like the the Goldberg Variations. It does. I mean, it does. I'm thinking about it with regards to dance as well. Is it kind of? It kind of interrogates in a weird way what we think of the creative or the creator. So, you know, we think of the perfection of dance and how it takes place. And yet, or the perfection of the pianist playing the entire piece, the suite or whatever it may be. And yet, by having that sort of humming in the background, you know, or, or if a dancer just is, is counting or perhaps you hear the dancer humming or move, think, thinking aloud or whatever, it completely changes the relationship between the audience or the listener and the artist. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, I was thinking about this morning this idea of perfection and imperfection, um, mm. and 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 so for me, it's about imperfection. So we we you know we so we we very often focus on the perfection of art or the perfection mm. of a creator, and the perfection of the work that's being delivered. Um, and I, I find that can, uh, for me, that can be really sterile and and alienating. I'm far more interested in in understanding or getting a sense of the human being. Uh, behind the creation, or in the creation, or in the art, um, and that humming just gives us that. It gives us a small, imperfect access uh, to him. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's the same for a, a dance performance where we, where we are not uh, just dazzled by light and technique, um, but that we are, are are given access to the human being on stage. Because it helps us access ourselves, and I think that's that's where the power is 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 that that kind of intimate connection that that helps us access our attitudes, our perspectives, um, and our worldviews. Talk to us about access and agency during a time of COVID, and uh, in specific, I'd like to talk us about 
um, what happened with the Imakazeni uh, community, how indeed the Forgotten Angle Theatre Company had to shift and rethink their offering. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, like all creatives know, and it's not just creatives, it's everybody. Um, you know, every, everybody who's trying to engage in the economy or work um, felt, has felt the, the impact significantly um, for whatever reason. Um, so the so the the, the lockdowns at, in in April, um, the beginning of lockdown, really uh, kind of decimated the economy um, here as it did everywhere else. And so there was a huge amount of job loss, and and small thing and not small things, big things we were noticing obviously was you know a lot of children go to boarding school or get fed at schools or people who are in disability centres get fed and are, are taken care of in those centres and suddenly that lifeline. Uh, is gone um, for households. Jobs are lost, and you end up with one or one gogo um, on a pension of one thousand five hundred, supporting ten people uh, a month. And and so you know, so so in addition to the already uh, rampant unemployment, um, this, this was kind of further exploded. And so what we really were seeing is that is that what. Uh, COVID and the, the necessitated lockdowns we're doing were exaggerating disadvantage. Um, and also drawing our eye to it. Um, we knew, we always, we've all always known it's there, and, but maybe we weren't responding appropriately uh, prior, before COVID. So it really kind of, it forced us, it necessitated a response from us. Um, because we, we kind of thought, you know, what... We can't offer art. We can't reach our beneficiaries through art. We've got to find other ways of reaching. We're going to keep trying to reach them through social media, through WhatsApp. And, but what is really important that we try and stabilize people, that we try and stabilize and secure uh, households hmm. so that when the time to recover comes, um, people are ready to recover and they, can, and, and they are more resilient. Um, you know, you can art as much as you like, but if people don't have food, um, your art means nothing. Um, you know, I, I know art feeds the soul, uh, but we've got to feed the body first. Um, and so we initiated a, a project we called the Angel Project, um, and uh, uh, we were able to raise a substantial amount of money through crowdfunding, which was really amazing. People just kind of jumped on board. Um, and we were able to su- sustain, um, I think it was 91 households, it worked out to about 400 people uh, for a nine-month period um, with regular, you know, monthly food packs, deliveries, and enough food and nutrition for uh, for a five- to six-person household. So mm. that at least every person in the household was getting one decent um, meal a day, um, possibly more, depending on the size of the household. Um, and, and, and it was an intensely uh, powerful moment for us, and we all fell in love with the project. And it really made us think very deeply about um, what we do and where we, where we need to go. And so for a long time, I've been kind of, we live in a rural space, we live on a farm, we have access to land, we have access to water, and for a long time I've been thinking that, you know, rural development has to include food security in addition to creative expression uh, and the benefits uh, and the impact of, 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 of art 
uh, on people's lives, we need to take care of the basic needs yeah. as well. And so this, this has kind of pushed us. So now we've started a, a small agriculture project, which we are trying to marry uh, with our arts program um, and to, to see how we can integrate arts and agriculture well, I suppose it's the, it's the culture, the culture in the agri. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is the culture in the agri. You're quite right. And it's a culture of growth, and it's a culture of nourishment, and it's a culture of development, and it's a culture of nutrition. And art is all of that. I just um, keep, PJ, you know, when I heard this story, and this was one of the reasons that I thought, geez, it would be great to interview, I just keep thinking of what your application to the various different partnerships and people that you collaborate with must have been. Because I'm like, how does a, a dance company say, listen, we, we'd, li- we'd like some money to get um, farming <laughs> interns? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, you know, because it's been stewing, um, so we had... The, and, and I suppose this is how uh, a lot of us work and survive in the art sector. We, we search for the affirmation of the idea. We have an idea or an inspiration or a thought, and we put it out there. And if we get a, a positive response back, we, it's an affirmation. We take it as a sign, a signal. Okay, mm. let's go on this journey. Let's go. So sometimes it requires us starting with nothing. Um, and so one of our big partners, uh, we partnered with First Rand Foundation on their first job program. Mm. And we said, you know, we'd like some interns, so don't pay us, but pay some people, pay some human resources. Um, and they agreed to it. So, so suddenly um, we had people, bodies, people who could work, could help us grow. We had land and we had water, but we had nothing else. Um, and I consulted with a whole bunch of people and and, and, the, and the word was just go for it, just start planting, just start digging and planting. You'll be amazed how things just happen. Um, and then we applied to the lottery, and the lottery has come on board, which which we really thank. So do you for. apply? Do you apply? Uh, that's my question: Is do you apply through the cultural um, arm yes, of so, so <laughs> of the lottery? Well, because because environment falls under arts, culture, and heritage for the lottery. That makes sense. Yeah. And 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 so one of the one of the deliverables or one of the outcomes in the in the environment and heritage or the environment sector, which falls under arts, culture, and heritage, is small scale community based farming. Um, so we could tie into that. Okay. So so, so just we, just a quick question. So do your interns, your farming interns, and we're going to go to your first yes, guest, yes. Nico Apani, who's an, a choreographer in a moment. But when you get your your farming interns, are they expected to then maybe do dance exercises on a daily basis? How does this? <laughs> well, that's coming. They did their first. Um, uh, this this past week, in fact, in fact, with Nico and Checho, our our development manager, we brought our art and ag- uh, so our arts our art interns have been working on the veggie garden, and this week for the first time we brought our agri interns onto the dance deck um, to 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 meet each other in a creative oh, way. I love that. And so this so so what we want to do now going forward we've we've agreed that 30% of each person's time is dedicated to the other person's work. So um 30% of an art person's time must be in the veggie garden and 30% of the agri person's time must be in the studio or the dance deck. 
um, so that we can really find a way. We don't know the answers yet, but we, we want to explore the possibilities. Um, we want to explore the way in which um, we can cross-pollinate, inspire, inform, and push each other forward. PJ, it brings a massive smile to my face as I'm listening to you. PJ Sabacher <laughs> is the Managing Director for the Forgotten Angle Theatre Collaborative. Your first guest, uh, PJ, is Nico Pane, who is a choreographer. Uh, yes. Tell us a little bit about uh, Nico. So, Nico... Um, Nico is an amazing uh, young man. He's one of my children. Um, he comes from the... I um, first met Nico when he was 12, and I was teaching Nico and Dada at the dance, Dada Masilo at the dance factory. They were classmates. So we have a really long uh, story, uh, the two of us, uh, Nico and I, um, of working together on and off for the last, what's it now, nearly 23 years. Um uh, Nico, uh, what inspires me about Nico is his kind of fierce commitment uh, to his art. So he has very specific, uh, he has very general training, but then he has very specific interests mm. within his training and very specific skill sets, mostly around contact, improvisation, release-based work, uh, and then a technique uh, called flying low and passing through that he, that he learned in Europe. Um, and he's a fierce defender of of of, of this work, of these work, of the, of the work that inspires him, and it's that ferocity um, and that deep commitment and that uh, incredible understanding of his bodies and uh, his body and other people's body that uh, that really inspires me. About Nico, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. That's uh, that's kudos to you for sure. <laughs> yeah. Nico, tell us uh, that concept of flying low and passing through. What does that mean? Well, um, flying low and passing through was developed by a Venezuelan uh, artist called David Zambrano. Yeah. Now he's living in Brussels. Yeah. Um, so he's so passionate about dancing. So at one moment of his life, because he, he did the New York stream and then, then went to Europe, so he, he injured himself, so he couldn't move, like he couldn't be mobile like uh, normally. So he started to do everything on the floor. Hmm. So flying low is just how to fly on the floor. Um, oh, brilliant. So in, 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 in a, a very simple way is that we slide from one end of the uh, space to another. So in very efficient and very fast. So, um, yeah, that's flying though. And passing through, he developed it as well as because passing through is about human interaction, uh, people meeting and leaving each other, but then it goes into the nature. If you look at the bees, how they move, they move in, in spirals and curves. And mm. so it, it's all the notion of like a, uh, the world is it's made out of uh, spirals and curves. So the dance is about spirals and curves. So if you look at a shell, it's in spirals. And if you look at a, uh, when you flush uh, the toilet, the water goes in spiral. So everything is it's golden. Spiral. Isn't it the golden ratio as well? 
yes. It's also called Fibonacci. Yes, yeah. Fibonacci's golden ratio. That's correct. Yeah. The Fibonacci yeah. code. You know, Nico, um, I, I love this idea of flying low <laughs> and, and also using Fibonacci's golden ratio. And I'm wondering, in terms of the work at Imakazeni, at the Ibudlueni Center, how are you working with young, some of the youngsters there, the community there? How are you using these forms to uh, change their worlds? Well, I mean, I'm I'm trying because then, like some 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 uh, technique require a certain uh, space. So flying low, for example, needs a spring floor and uh, really equipped uh, place. But then, when you go to the community, you find that you're working on the concrete. Yeah. So uh, it's very hard to 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 tell children to throw themselves on the floor and it's a concrete because then they're going to injure themselves. But what I'm teaching them is that how do you go down to the floor with care yeah. without even hurting yourself and go out of it without even, uh, like, um, so you, maybe the floor becomes water or anything that is softer going in and out of it without even hurting yourself because sometimes when you throw yourself on the floor it's painful or when you fall normally as a pedestrian uh, it's very painful but then if you have the technique you will know how to um, uh, help yourself within the fall so this is what i'm teaching them so like it like in life that you're gonna have stumbles and falls but then you have to pick up yourself and help Hmm. yourself to move forward Nico, I do have to ask you: um, are, are any of the have you have you worked with any of the agricultural interns yet? Yes, we did uh, actually this past week. Yeah. So it was quite interesting. Um, uh, we worked with uh, because the dance in, uh, interns went down to them for some time, but now we wanted to marry them. So uh, it was quite interesting to work because then. Then they only see us from a distance. They never actually become, uh, because then they think that uh, dance is very something that is very far from them. <laughs> so yeah. in marrying them, we started from a very, very pedestrian kind of, we all do this at home. Even though we think that we're not dancing, we all do it. So actually, walking festival is dancing if you think about it. Yeah. Because if, if you put mu- uh, music to uh, walking, then you realize that you actually dance it. So then we started about walking and playing games, and never they never thought that they are dancing within those games. Because when you see it from the outside point of view, you see it as a performance. So um, it was interesting for, for them, and they actually like it, and they want to do it some more. So, so I mean, is this, and, I, and I'll put this to you as well, PJ. I mean, this is a way of creating an ecosystem. And I love the idea of an ecosystem because it goes back yeah. to the environment and biology and the like. This yeah. is just an extraordinary way of saying all the dots can be joined. I mean, Nico, you've nailed it when you've said even walking is dance. Um, and walking can be music in the very nature of how you do it. Uh, it, it can even be poetry if you think about it. Um, 
Are you getting a sense from from the mix-up, from the mash-up of dancers who are like working in the garden for 30% of their time and agriculture students who are working uh, on the dance floor for 30% of the time, are you getting a sense that their minds are opening, that we are broadening the conversation to something in a cross-sector manner? Um, um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I can see it, and 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 and, and they will see it, and and I'm sure they're seeing it already. So, it's very simple things. Um, so, for example, uh, the experience of labor, <laughs> like what is work? Yeah. So, for dancers, like work is play, but for agriculture people, work is work. It's labor. Um, and so it's about, oh, so people begin to understand each other's worlds um, mm. and, and, and uh, what, what, what is the day you live and what is the day I live? Mm. What can I borrow from your day? What can I borrow in terms of excitement, passion, intention uh, for my day uh, to make my work feel less like labor? And what can you understand about your work that is not just passion and, and inspiration, but it also is work. It also is labor. Um, and that sometimes we need to accept the labor of what we do. Um, so the, uh, and, and then there are much broader concepts uh, that are emerging. Um, you know, as, as I'm kind of doing my, my research in the background, um, looking at things like climate-positive agriculture or closed-loop agriculture, or zero-waste agriculture. Mm. So these kind of high-tech responses to the climate crisis, what are those, their applications within the art space and the creative space? And how can uh, the sectors borrow from each other mm. to, to, to operate in more sustainable ways? I and mean, that sustainability is about the people and the environment. I love what you say about sectors borrowing from each other because I, I believe intrinsically. Yeah. I think that as we operate in the world, we do need to be thinking far more strategically around what we can learn from the agricultural sector, what the agricultural sector can learn from the creative sector, what the creative sector yeah. can learn from the business sector, what the business corporate sector can learn from the creative sector itself. Um, uh, Nico, I'd love to know from you, are you able to see shifts and changes? Yes, um, after the workshop, I can see shifts and changes uh, based, based on the response of um, um, the interns. Um, because, then, because then we all ban, because when you think about labor, we think about it in a very, uh, really direct way of saying, okay, labor in agriculture is hard labor, and then labor in dance is it's actually play. But... Um, Actually, let's go back to the household. Uh, let's go. We do have uh, our own labor that we do uh, in every day. It's like yeah. cleaning up or up for yourself. That's kind of labor that you do. Whether you're happy about it or you're not happy about it, but those labors that are actually, you're not, you're not thinking about it. You just do it then automatically. But then how, how do you then consciously think about them in terms of creativity, so hmm. think about um, uh, labor in in in, in agriculture and labor in, in in dance and labor at home, and then think because then then you start to see movement emerging and you start to see this art piece uh, put together, but from the different sectors. So it's not something that is 
uh, it, it can become one. Uh, it's not actually separate entity. So, so would you, um, and I'll ask you this first, Nico, and then PJ, I'm coming to you. Would you then suggest that work um, is about intention and purpose? That if we can look at intention and purpose first, then it shifts the way we look at work. True, true. Um, intention and purpose, because then if you're not thinking about what 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 is it that you're doing in your work intentionally, mm. then 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 you you losing something because then it goes back as well like saying okay I'm passionate about this, but are you intending to do that passion or are you mm. actually yeah so. That's a, that's another thing. So, like, how do we intend to push the passion? How sure. do we intend to uh, to have the pebbles in 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 in, in this? PJ, uh, us. T- talk to us about intention and purpose in your world. So, I mean, absolutely. I think that, and it's it's something. I just you know, you can see it in the way people walk. Um, and artists, like performers, are trained <laughs> to to walk with intention and purpose, and to understand intention and purpose. It's one of the, the most fundamental fundamental things. Whether you're an actor or a dancer, what is the intention of this? What is the purpose of that? What is the intention of the author? What is the intention of the choreographer? So you un- you unpacking intention and purpose all the time, mm. and you're trying to integrate them uh, into your own being so that you can deliver that intention and that purpose. Um, and I picked it up straight away with agri, the agri interns that, yes, they knew they wanted to grow stuff and do stuff, but the intention and the purpose is not, was not clear, and it was affecting the way they moved. Um, and so we've spoken a lot about intention and purpose, and it, it without a doubt, um, begins to affect the way we move. And if we move with a certain amount of intention and purpose, we begin to create energy, um, and that energy can sustain us. Passion, like we all know, passion can burn out, um, and we've all felt that. But if we are being really clear on our intention, our purpose, it sparks curiosity, it sparks our desire to grow our knowledge of things, and all these become really critical foundations um, that support sustained energy and and sustained work and sustained movement. Um, And by movement, I don't mean dance, I mean any kind of movement. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's really critical because sometimes we think we know, but actually we don't. And we need to take time to understand what we are doing and why we are doing it. What are the thoughts that are driving us? And then what are the acts that flow from that intention? I mean, it's interesting because essentially you're talking a, a scientific theory, which is that things are yeah. constantly moving. And the moment they stop moving altogether, then I imagine they, they no longer have a living force in them. Exactly, yeah. Um, and one needs to constantly be aware of that. Uh, Nico, we want to say thank you very much for joining us. PJ, we are going to close off, and we're going to close off thank with um, a third song that you've offered us, which is really Avo Part, which is just amazing. But before we get to Avo Part and close off with it, I just want to ask you, 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 you do you still see yourself as a creative um, director? I mean, <laughs> what do you see yourself as in society, or does that even not matter anymore? Good question, and something I've been struggling with. Uh, um, you know, pre-pandemic, we had the opportunity of always having lots of creatives coming to our space, so residencies, festivals, guest teachers. 
such, I felt very creative. Um, now, um, because my brain has shifted to agriculture and environment, um, I still see myself as a, a creative because that's that's what I know and that's what those are the, well, I can't say that I know. That's what I, I have experience in um, and that's what I've been trained in. So that's my skill set. Um, sometimes it's sharp and astute and sometimes it's, it's kind of blunt and, and clumsy. Um, but it's, it's directing me into new spaces. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not a creative. So, so I'm beginning to answer my own question. Um, but yes, it's a constant, it's a constant debate. And does it mean that in order to be a creative, you must produce work? Um, what, what is creative work or creative product, like a dance performance or a piece of literature? Does that define you as a creative or is the fact that you apply your creativity or your creative skill set? To solving a different set of problems, do you still qualify? And um, can you still be part of the sector? Or, or... so, yeah, it's an interesting um, an existential crisis I'm <laughs> experiencing at the moment. <laughs> well, as you break down your existential crisis, we close off with other part. Why? Oh, other part, and, and I think other part uh, for most people in contemporary dance is just. Uh, a hero of um, expression. Um, his music is, uh, is minimalist, is sparse. Um, it kind of really plummets uh, into into really deep, uh, profound spaces. And I, I don't know any one of us who haven't spent at least one dance work or one project uh, meditating or or being um, immersed in other parts and, and allowing it to, to invoke movements and stillness in us. PJ, thank you so much for giving us your time and your existential crisis. We appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much, Michelle. PJ Sabach, Managing Director of the Forgotten Angle Theatre Collaborative in Mpumalanga, closing off with this.